the, the Walden books or something. Walden books or something, and they have them there, just sitting on the shelf next to other magazines. See, I shit. always thought they were shrink wrapped. No, unless there was like, oh, right. well, they may have been, but some asshole opened them up. Oh yeah, yeah. I've never, always, I've never opened it up myself, but yeah. I always find one every time, and I would, I would sit there for you know when my parents are out shopping or something, I'm just hanging out in the mall. I'd sit back in the corner of Walden Books on the floor and I would read it. Yeah. For like a good 15, 20 minutes. And, and like cool. the old, old school, they had some cool shit. The serialized stuff like uh, like art by Richard Corbin, the then character from the movie. Like Richard Corbin originally. I think he created that character. But like, you've seen Richard Corbin's work, right? It's kind of like this sort of painted. I'll have to show it to you. Okay. But um, I know it was like based off of like a French magazine, Metal Hurlant or Hurlant or whatever. And uh, they decided to start publishing in English. And uh, I just started looking it up last night. Check out the wiki on it. And uh, I've totally forgot about it. They had this like sort of punk rock character. Uh-huh. That was like these Italian like writer uh, artist team um, called Zan- uh, Ranzarox. And it was like a it was like a dystopian cyborg made out of parts from Xerox machines. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and it, it was fucking... It's like a farcical... Uh, right. And... Um, I was like, I totally forgot about that character. He has like, he just looks kind of like gnarly. He looks like a human, but he has like these, they look like sort of like shot glasses for eyes or something. Uh-huh. So it just kind of, I'm sure maybe it's not good anymore, but it had like, it was good sci-fi fantasy. Right. right. Like, that's, that's, that's what they've been all about since, you know, when yeah. they got started. And Did you ever read Epic? My brother I read had some a few of, of those. I read some of them. Yeah. It was like Marvel's like sort of answer to heavy metal. Man. It was more so, mature yeah. stuff. It is, I don't think it's it hasn't been in print for a while. What was there was one guy? It was, it was he had a beard. And he was like a space pirate. What was his name? I yeah, I fucking and, and the, that was on the epic label. Also, wasn't ElfQuest on there too? Or was that something else? It might have started on that. I could. I think you might be right. It might have like started in Epic and then grew out of that. We're gonna have to fucking like look this up. Yeah, but. Um, no, man, like, Epic Magazine was fucking cool. They had some really gnarly shit in that. Well, it's, uh, Bernie Wrightson, I think, did a lot of stuff for it. Yeah? So. Didn't Jeff Darrow just do a whole bunch of shit for I'm sure he did. I, mean, I know he'd worked with Heavy Metal Magazine. Yeah. Did you ever read uh, Hard Boiled? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he did it. It's uh, fucking crazy. It's a fuck. It's like Jeff Darrow, he did, um, he did, like, uh, some, like, production design artwork for like the matrix a big time but he's yeah big time but his like style is like it's very sort of like grandiose very sort of like abstract to an extent but like crazy tech but his detail is insane jim shooter was uh, one of the people that made epic oh okay and the first the first series on it and this is what i thought it was is was dread star dread star yes yeah. yes I think didn't Star Lord? I think I thought that was an epic one as well. Star Lord? I could like, be wrong. Like the original Star Lord. I don't. I could be wrong. Well, yeah, well, anyway, but they, they yeah, Dread Star. Yeah, Dread Star. They had like all kinds of just weird, bizarre. I love the '80s, man. I miss the '80s. Like uh, DC Comics had. I think it was in canon within universe. Oh. With like superheroes, but it was called Warlord. Yes, uh, Elf Quest was in there. So was Gru. Gru. Oh. And. Gru. Uh, and Martial Law by Frank Miller. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Okay. All right, I'm going to have to go on fucking, um, I don't know, online, try to find some old. Yeah, that's, that's, that's cool stuff. Yeah. 
But that's not what we're talking about today. No, no, that's not what we're talking about. Oh, we're actually recording? I've been recording yeah, this whole fucking time. time. I, <laughs> I figured we only had an hour and 40, we were just going to get straight to it. Oh, uh, well now we have an hour and 38. <laughs> so, so we'd be mindful. And I'll, probably, and I'll probably end up cutting a lot of this stuff out. Oh, that's fine. I just want to make sure we got room to record on. Yeah, let's do yeah. it. I'm back. Welcome back. <laughs> Welcome back, sir. Uh, <clears throat> now let's play GTA 5. Yeah, which which I am. I'm glad Rodney wasn't playing it when I showed up. <laughs> We're getting some decent hits on that episode. Are we? We'll just throw in GTA and 5 on the the uh, sort of tags. Uh -huh. And I mean, it's not the, the Astron 6, but we already have like 60 on the Podbean. Oh, cool. And we've been averaging... About 125 on uh, iTunes. Nice. Wow. We're and that's we're about three or four hundred away from hitting forty thousand hits, altogether. Nice. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Somebody's paying attention. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely not all of our friends. Yeah. <laughs> unless they unless they really love listening to the show. So we're doing a uh, long overdue directors episode. We haven't done one in a while, but by the time this one airs, we're trying to get in the mood for uh, everybody's favorite. Halloween. Halloween. So, yes. We're going to start with one of our favorite uh, directors that obviously has some very Halloween-esque. Yeah, uh, darker. Darker and things like that. Mr. Tim Burton. Mm -hmm. The Burt Man. So, the next Martin Scorsese. Oh, shit, man. I yeah. was going to say that was my, favorite, that was my favorite thing. That... I should have it written down. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so we're doing, doing a director's episode of Tim Burton tonight. Uh, Day 6 Media. Mostly, as always, uh, Matt from Hell. Uh, as always, Eric King. And Rodney. Rodney, Rodney McKinley. Yep. Awesome. So, yeah. where, do uh, we, where do we start? Shit. Well, Tim Burton was born in... I have no idea. <laughs> I, I really Actually, don't know. Though, he was born in Burbank, California. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> it really doesn't surprise me. Um, when, I don't, okay, let me, put, let me put this to you guys. Okay. I would, I've been aware of his work since I was a little kid. I mean, beginning with Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Mm -hmm. But when was the first time you ever became aware of Tim Burton, the, the director, as a director, as an entity on him, as himself, you know? Batman. Yeah, I think so. I think that's where he, he blew up. Backdance. Batshit. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I'm trying to think of whenever it was just like, oh, that guy did this, I'm going to watch all of his stuff now, even though I'd seen previous ones. Yeah. It may have been, let's see, no, it may have been Nightmare Before Christmas, actually. Even though I'd seen everything previous to that, I uh -huh. wasn't aware of. Yeah, there, there's a time in your life when, if you're a movie fan like we are, that you can kind of pinpoint as when you started realizing things, like there's a director, there's somebody actually behind the camera, there's somebody yeah. writing this stuff, mm -hmm. they're not just making it up as they go along, you know? Yeah, which ironically enough, today is the 20th anniversary of Nightmare Before Christmas, Day. Jesus today? Christ! Yeah, today, today so, when we're recording so, this, yeah, <laughs> September twenty fourth. Like it just came out on Blu ray. So anniversary in nineteen ninety four. Wait, three. Ninety three. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm already. I have. I I'm have already in nineteen ninety four. No, I, I'm already. I, I'm ready for two thousand fourteen. Uh, now, yeah, I remember. I saw Never Before Christmas on an on a Aphis theater. Oh uh, yeah. On on a Army Depot and Army Base. And uh, was it my buddy uh, Dave? His sister worked concessions, 
and she used to get us in for free all the time. So we saw a lot of movies out there. But again, when you go see, I said this on a previous show, uh, I don't know how there are now, but military theaters, Aphis theaters sucked because essentially now it would be like, We'd go see it in a theater, and literally a week later, it's on video videotape. Yeah. So, well, maybe, I mean, maybe a month or so, but it was like... It depends the, on what, what the, region you're in. Yeah, it was the very tail end. Of, and it was what region... Yeah. It's still where because, we got it in the United States sucked ass. Right. If you're in the United States going to see the APS Theater, yeah. But when you, you you were in Germany. Did you go see movies when you were there? Oh, yeah. Uh, not... Yeah, in the theaters, yeah, we did. I saw Daryl. <laughs> <laughs> But it has nothing to do with Tim Burton. But, uh, yeah, I remember I, I had the Nightmare Before Christmas poster. We stole it. <laughs> I was such an addict to Nightmare Before Christmas. <clears throat> I watched it so many times. I put a tape recorder next to my huge console TV. Like, the little, uh, little I thought you were going somewhere else with that sentence, but and next uh, to your huge console yeah. TV. This is the huge console TV. It's 1993, people. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I like it. But I recorded the entire movie onto cassette, so whenever I was sleeping at night, I couldn't watch it, so I would just listen to it. That's fucking awesome. Oh wow! That's so cool. it was like it was about a two, I think a two tape mm-hmm. side A and side B. <laughs> I know things are more convenient with the digital age, but I kind of miss what we did with the analog days, man. We we used to like that was like a punk rock way of like fucking recording. You have to work for it. Yeah, you really did, and, and it's more rewarding that way. I. But that's cool, yeah, because it's like, you know, it's like, I'm too cheap to go buy the... <laughs> it's like, I like that. That's just fucking cool. Man. I don't even know that they even have... I mean, of course, they probably would have had a soundtrack for it, but no, I I didn't record just the songs. I recorded the, the whole, entire... Yeah, entire yeah it's like, you know, when you're going to sleep, you, you close your eyes, you're trying to sleep, and you have something playing because it's... And you don't want to watch anything new. You want to watch something you're comfortable with that you've seen 15 times. Yeah. Okay, now... I think this is a perfect film. I mean, I figure we're going to talk about his movies out of chronological order. Yeah, oh yeah. Because, I mean, really, when you think of Tim Burton, I mean, honestly, Nightmare Before Christmas is kind of, I think, the first thing that pops out of a lot of people's head. Tim Burton, More. yeah. I mean, I would think Batman, but a lot of people associate Batman with Batman, yeah, not Tim Burton with Batman. exactly. And, um, now, okay, did he direct it, or did Henry Selleck direct it? Or was he, like, director of, like, the animation, or director of photography? But but Tim Burton it was pretty much it is Tim Burton's baby. Yeah, it is Tim Burton's baby. I don't think yeah I think you're right because everything from art direction down to I don't know like like I think script I mean that's that's his baby so, um but and the thing is I I love I do love Nightmare Before Christmas I think I need to distance myself from it Mm -hmm. for a while because it literally supplied hot topic with. It did. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it seemed like Tim Burton for the longest time, like Nightmare Before Christmas and several different films that he did, it supplied um, concepts and ideas mascara. to sell mascara <laughs> at Hot Topic. It kind of felt like the stripe sort of leggings, like Sally kind of inspired an entire generation of like mall goth kids. And right. It, it just kind of like, I felt like that Hot Topic might as well, I think like, you know, Tim Burton, he must have had some stock. In Hot Topic, or that was just kind of the... And I just kind of started getting sick and tired of seeing all the memorabilia and everything. And just, it, after a while, for what used to be like one of my favorite Christmas slash Halloween movies... It's kind of kind of It kind of ruined it. And the same thing happened to Donnie Darko, but enough like getting that out of the way of, of my own pathos behind it. It's, it's fucking awesome. It's, well, it's a good flick. It is great. Do you guys have a Tim Burton movie that you grew up on that you watched... 
over and over and would repeat the words as the you know before the characters could say it. Hey, what you uh, do? You have one in mind? I have one. I know exactly. I know which. I don't. Mind. I don't have one that I watched over and over and over again. Like I watched Predator or Back to the Future or Howard the Duck. But I do have <laughs> one of favorite. these things. Don't I do have a favorite uh, that I I liked to, that I loved, and I saw it in the theater. I saw it in Apes Theater, mm-hmm. and I saw it numerous times. Um, was uh, Edward Scissorhands. Mm-hmm. That's like that's like my perfect Tim Burton movie. And that's the one I love the most. I mean, I think he's a great director, and he's made some really good movies. Oh, yeah, but he's yeah. also made a couple of kind of shitty movies. Well, everyone is. But hey, that. you're not perfect. Nobody's perfect, yeah. especially when you get older. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, for me, it's uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure, and the reason being is like you know Batman's kind of a given. I, I that was like the first VHS I owned as a film collector it was because like at the time when i when i bought batman or my parents bought batman uh-huh. film like vhs tapes were like priced to own i mean priced to rent so they're like 80 dollars a pop yeah you know so this one was like the first price to own aside from like disney movies or something mm-hmm. so we had that and i watched the shit out of it but peewee's we had a dub of peewee's big adventure and i i fucking loved peewee and i still do at the time when i was a kid you know peewee herman was just like, hey, it's just this big goofball kid, and he has all these goofy things. You realize that's now awesome. there's all this subtext. Now there's a lot of subtext, and there's <laughs> yeah, a lot of crazy shit. Last week. Yeah, yeah. It was like, <laughs> yeah, when I was like, if you had listened to the last episode, the whole thing with Mickey the Escape Con, and they're trying to get through that checkpoint, and it's like while they're still driving, the next scene they pull up, and they're fucking in the skies, <laughs> <laughs> and and he's in drag, and it's like you know he's looking at Mickey's looking at Pee Wee, he's like. I, 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 th- I think I'm gonna fuck him. <laughs> it's like I'm gonna fuck him, and uh, but no, but there's like so much like good stuff in it. I love the, the gadgets, you know. Of course, everybody oh, yeah. wanted that sort of like uh, Rube's Goldberg breakfast machine. Is it, did I get that right, Rube? Rube Goldberg. Rube Goldberg. Okay, I almost like that that Bill Bill Goldberg uh, machine. <laughs> yeah, that Rube Goldberg uh, breakfast contraption. You know, I, I love that. It's just everything about it. But do you know there's a creep show line? reference in that movie it's when uh you know the other 45 year old kid that's in the movie uh, the kid that has the bike stolen <laughs> right uh, he oh, was sh- he, he was in a uh, teen wolf yeah oh yeah i can't remember his name uh but yeah he was buxton his last name was buxton and the, the, the sort of greaser guy okay buxton yeah gotcha but um he's like in the swimming pool that was like a bath mm-hmm. and uh there's a part where he locks the door and he go, and he does a line from the creep show segment with uh, Ted uh, Danson. Ted Danson, where he's like, "Go ahead, scream your off for miles from where no one can hear you." <laughs> oh. But yeah, that's from Creep Show. That's okay, that's yeah, what yeah. that's what uh, Leslie Nielsen says. Yeah, that's what Leslie Nielsen. Go ahead and scream. Yeah, I, don't, I mean it's a little bastardized, but no, I just I love. There's a, some great cameos in it, and it's a good adventure movie. Like. Uh, I want to say Phil Hartman's in that. There's like, there's so many people in that. Uh... Fred Ward. No, that's the guy. It looks like there's a guy that played Mickey the Escape Con. It looks. Oh like yeah, Fred yeah, Ward. yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, I think Lee Horsley shows up in it or something from Hotel. I don't know, but I yeah. haven't seen. That's the one I haven't seen in the longest. Besides mm-hmm. the one I, I haven't seen. Yeah, I mean, but, I loved it when I was a kid. But yeah, but I don't know if anyone's ever seen it. It's like it. Pee Wee Herman is just this guy. He loves his bike. He has this rad ride. You know, it's crazy. He hangs out with the BMX kids at work, and it gets stolen because uh, the rich kid wants to buy his bike, and he's like, fuck you, I'm not going to give it to you, and so he hires this 
greaser kid to take it. I like. The, I know it's a fucking amazing. No, right? no, no. I'm thinking of uh, Pee Wee Herman walking down in full makeup and everything, just like that, and going, "Fuck you." I'm not gonna kiss my. It's like, oh, hey, Francis, Francis, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Go fuck yourself. But yeah, and more or less, you know, um, then he's like, after he has the bike, he's like, fuck it, get rid of it. <laughs> Apparently I do, I, I'm thinking of Martin Scorsese's big, Pee-wee's big adventure. <laughs> and so, like, uh, Pee-wee just goes on uh, this adventure, try to find his bike, like, he goes to a fucking... Across the country. Across the country, and... It's not because it's a. I don't have the fear of clowns or anything like that. It's I'm whatever. You're talking I, about that goddamn dream he has. The whatever he realizes, yeah. Whatever his bike is stolen because he chains it like with two hundred feet of chain to this. Oh yeah. Uh, automated clown that's outside of a like a car wash or something <laughs> like that, and then he has his dream and it's just all <laughs> like laughing at him all weird and it's just like oh fuck. Between that, that and poltergeist, goddamn it. Yeah. yeah. You know what I love uh, is when he goes to the, the gag store, and yes. the guy's like this, hey, you want to get the shrunken head? And he goes like, no, how about regular size head? No. And then all of a sudden, the guy just pulls out <laughs> his giant head. <laughs> and that's what the, the thing is, the movie is filled with, like, it, it, it's filled with moments, like, whenever you and me are, like, watch, Rodney and I are watching a movie, it's like someone's having this serious conversation, and we just think, you know, it'd be funny if, like, randomly he, like, his head fucking exploded yeah. or something. That's what happens whenever in this it movie. Show, whenever it shows an establishing shot uh, after something real serious, we're like, <laughs> and the whole thing blows up. <laughs> well, like, when we went to go see Skyfall, there's, like, a scene where it's, like, there's just the house. There's, like, this mansion, Bond's family mansion, and it's, and it's an establishing shot. But I think they said, like, hey, we found these, like, dynamite. And then it cuts to, like, later on that night, and we're, we're sitting there. And I just go... <laughs> it's funny, because that actually ends up happening. But It does, but not in that order. Yeah. But that's the thing, is that's what this movie is. It's just so many fucking crazy-ass moments that just come out of nowhere. <laughs> and uh, the characters are great. Like, when Pee-wee was trying to get uh everyone in the neighborhood to find his bike he has like fucking 350 exhibits and there are like all these people in there there's like the jamaican bmx bike store owner chuck there's these guys have no lines they must be a part of the stage show but it's like the amazing larry <laughs> this guy is like this old dude with a mohawk <laughs> but there's this so much crazy shit but um i know i'm sorry i'll, I'll shut he, up but did he write that or did he just direct it um uh, Tim Burton directed. I think that was his first big gig, uh-huh. and um, but uh, it definitely has its touches. You know, it's like I don't think he really came to form until later on his aesthetic. But there's just so much dark comedy, and there's so much just fucking funny <clears throat> moments in that movie. And it's like, you know, there's the iconic when like the biker gang, like they're fucking with Pee Wee, and then Pee Wee gets those big ass shoes and right, he starts doing tequila. that dance, yeah. tequila. And then later on, he's on the motorcycle. See you guys later. And he fucking wrecks it as soon as he starts. <laughs> but now, uh, I'll shut up about it. But well, last thing, my favorite part of the whole goddamn movie. It's when he's down in Texas. And this uh, before he leaves on, on his trip, he goes to a fucking um, uh, fortune teller. <laughs> And uh, she, she like essentially just cons his ass, and she sees like uh, I think like a calendar and like the Alamo or something on the calendar. She's like, "Is that the Alamo?" And he goes like, uh, "Okay." And so he ends up going on to Texas, and he ends up getting in, getting into a rodeo because earlier on he like 
befriended this waitress who has like an abusive boyfriend not a really abusive but this asshole boyfriend and so the guy's been chasing him around so then all of a sudden he's like all of a sudden he's riding a bull and he ends, he ends up like breaking like a whole record and stuff and he gets thrown and he's he can't remember and everyone's like hey man who are you i can't i don't remember what do you what remember? do you remember i remember the alamo and they're like 20 texts are like yeah! <laughs> And I just, there's some great stuff. Oh, and the the thing I love, like one part I love, he's like so depressed. He's walking around. He's in the in the rain before he goes to fortune teller, and he's like thugs come up to him. Man, what are you doing on our turf? We don't need people around you. And he just goes like this, <laughs> and they go like, Ah, get out of here! <laughs> um, yeah, I need to watch that again. Yeah, I need to, it's been a while since I've seen it, but take a break. The uh, the one that I that's mine is Beetlejuice. Okay, yeah. I had recorded it, dubbed it off of uh, HBO. Okay. And uh, every day after school, come home and start watching it. And it got to the point where I was repeating it before the actors would. And I think it drove my mom crazy because she, air quotation, accidentally dubbed over it, dubbed over it with her QVC recording oh, show. Fuck that. <laughs> I was so pissed. I would, be, I would be so pissed. But, God, Beetlejuice, I love that movie so much. And I've watched it so many times. I mean, it's been a while since I've watched it. It's kind of like what Eric was saying with The Nightmare Before Christmas. I needed to distance myself from it for right, a moment. Right, right, right. But, like, I'm kind of ready now to, to get back into it again because... Speaking of dub, dubbing VHS tapes, you know, um, I remember I had fucking Empire... No, Empire Strikes Back. I had Return of the Jedi dubbed mm-hmm. onto a VHS tape. And it came on, like, it was after... I had Back to the Future, and then Return of the Jedi on the same tape. And I never, I never noticed, realized this when I was a kid, because I think I mostly watched it on that tape. But you know when, uh, at the end of the movie, when after Darth Vader throws the Emperor down, and everything's starting to to fall apart, the Death Star, and uh, they blew up the the thing down. Everything is kind of down on the planet with the Ewoks and Han and Leia and. He says he loved her and all that stuff. Well, my dub ended right after that. So I never got to see the scene. It ended right after Darth Vader died. Like, completely. Like, it cut off. So I never got to see Luke escaping. And I never got to see all the everybody reuniting at the end and the Ewok village and all that shit. So and that's kind of just where it ended for me. Oh, we were just talking about dub VHS tapes. Oh, for a yeah. Second. I just nice. thought it was funny because that... You, you got the nihilistic ending. Yeah, I did. <laughs> but I mean, Beetlejuice, that is one too. I, that, for some reason, that slipped my mind. I fucking like, yeah, loved said, it. Quote for quote, until it got recorded over and every day after school. Um, there's so many different things that... And I didn't realize, and this, this goes back to my theory, which I, it may be true. It's maybe not a theory at all. But you can, you can say the word fuck once in a movie and still be PG-13. Yeah, they, they will... The, the, Apparently that's one of the unspoken rules that the MPAA goes by. Because there's one fuck. There's there's the scene where uh, <clears throat> Michael Keaton is Beetlejuice is uh-huh. uh, he's got uh, <laughs> yeah the two dead people that he's got them to where they've said his name three times and he's brought them into his right. little his little world <laughs> and then they do something to escape. And he gets he gets pissed off. So well, yeah, he because they get they get away from behind his back. They say. 
go home like three times. Yeah, home, home, something. home, and he goes yeah. like, "I hope you like Italian." Come on, oh But he uh, he gets pissed off and he, he crawls up to his tombs like there's a little makeshift of the town, right? Uh, miniature model, and he goes over and kicks over his his tombstone and no, he kicks the tree. Well, yeah, kicks and the, the tree. And the tree falls over, and he pulls. He grabs his balls, and he's like. Nice fucking model, honk honk. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, oh, I didn't realize it till later on. I was like, oh, he's a fucking. Yeah, <laughs> I was just thinking about this the other day that 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 scene where the who, their guide or whatever distracts him with the whorehouse, you know, yes. uh, on, in the model, and and Gina Davis is like, why'd you why'd you build that? He's like, I didn't, I didn't build that. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, I think this is where you really start to kind of see the Tim Burton aesthetic come out, like especially. Um, when you see Beetlejuice as like the snake, when he, he's the banister, it turns into a snake. You got that sort of like the the black and white horizontal stripe kind uh-huh. of that always you always see in his characters and kind of the Oko. exaggerated features. <laughs> oh shit! That was like, that's my favorite moment is when Otho's after they're doing the whole exorcism thing and he starts running out and all of a sudden the spotlight hits on him. He goes <laughs> and all of a sudden is like cool like. Mod clothes rip off and he's wearing this like powder blue flat. He's like, <laughs> you know that guy? Uh, I think his name is Glenn Hendricks. He passed away. Oh, did not he? Not long ago. Yeah, he had a heart attack. I, I do remember seeing that because he was also in Heather's too, wasn't he? he yeah, was a priest. Right? He was a priest. <laughs> Our little Eskimo. You have to look him up. Would you say Glenn Hendricks? Yeah, Glenn Hendricks. He's not the same dude that did the fart sounds with your hands on. Hey, Vern, it's Ernest. The TV show was it? Look it up, maybe. I don't, I don't, think, know. I don't think it was. I don't think but... it was because um, it sounds about right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think he did a few. I don't know if he did any more Tim Burton movies after that. I don't know. He he might have. Um, but yeah, I always like. Apparently, like the Glenn original Shaddix. Shaddix. I guess Glenn Hendricks. What am I saying? Most of like Glenn Danzig or something. <laughs> um, Oh, okay, yeah, he's been in a few... He was in Nightmare Before Christmas. I think he was the mayor in Nightmare Before Christmas. Probably. Like, was, that's, that's he's done a lot of... He's done a lot of voice work. He was yeah. in... Uh, he's done... He did Teen Titans. He was a villain in that. He was in Justice League. Did he pass away? Am I right? Yes. He died September 7th, 2010. Um, um, well, apparently, like, uh, <laughs> Sam... I think it's Ham, Sam Ham who wrote the script for Beetlejuice... And he wrote the script for Beetlejuice, or I think he wrote he, the script for Batman? I know he did Batman, but uh, check it. Okay, L- let's do go. a... Uh, God damn it. IMDB, to the rescue. Yeah, but um, apparently the original script for Beetlejuice, like the spec script, was um, a lot darker. Like, it could have been like an R-rated movie. Like, there was like a lot more dark... Like, people were dying. There was just like more sinister elements involved in it. And... Um, but I guess like Tim Burton, which I think he did, he he worked for Disney, I believe. Really? I think he was an animator. He, he he was involved in some sort of like capacity at Disney, and that's where he did that short film. A lot of people think Frankenweenie is like in a, just a flat out original concept. He did a short film years ago for Disney. Uh, Frankenweenie, I think it was like about a half hour long, and same concept, but yeah, live it was, action. Of, it was one of his first films. It was a short film. <laughs> yeah, it was live action and. Um, the kid who played uh, the main character was the kid who played Daryl in the movie Daryl, oh, and, really? and it was an never-ending story. That same kid, like not not a Treyu, but uh, Bastion. Bastion. Yeah, Bastion. Yeah. yeah, so I, I forget. Bastion, please. 
Help me, I got to keep my feet on the ground. Well, <laughs> uh, no, yeah, uh, Beetlejuice has some, I That's where I fell in love with Winona Ryder. Yeah. 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 And I was old enough to where, I was young enough to where I didn't really... <laughs> you didn't fall in love with her in Lucas? Uh, I, you know, I didn't really, I never really watched Lucas. I watched it the one time. Yeah, I, I'm in the same way. I, I didn't watch Lucas until I was older, actually. Yeah. I was, and, my teen, I was a teenager. But, um, yeah, Winona Ryder, gosh, she was just fucking gorgeous and I loved her I loved her fucking Susie Sue sort of look yeah it's hard for me to look at her as gorgeous though because she was still so young then it makes yeah. me feel a little weird still well I mean it's like you know, I mean but, I, we were age appropriate then age appropriate then crush on her so. I mean I'm not jerking off to her no fucking, but, like I'll, let me pop in middle just hey 14 years old here we go <laughs> so she was my she was my pre-Christina Ricci crush so okay. um, did you have anything uh, to add on Oh, uh, one thing I wanted to talk about, frequent collaborators. Because he does have, like, a sort of, like, a, a little, like, studio of players. Johnny Depp, you know, of course. Um, one of his one of his frequent collaborators. He doesn't really collaborate with him anymore ever since he got busted. Uh-huh. Uh, did you, Jeffrey Jones, he played Charles Dietz, uh, the father in um, Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. He was uh, Criswell in uh, Ed Wood. And some other film, but he was a Sleepy Hollow. He was like the reverend. He was the, Sleepy yeah, Hollow. he was a reverend Sleepy Hollow. But he's read it. Everyone really kind of knows him as the principal from Ferris Bueller, right? Um, in two thousand two, he got busted for child porn. Now, like fucking kids, like he solicited a minor, a boy, to like sit in and like he was going to make child porn, and apparently he had a ton of his shit, and he had like it was a misdemeanor misdemeanor level like i don't think like it like it panned out like he they like the cops busted it in the mid shoot and stuff right right but it was enough and he's been having to register as a sex offender but he did deadwood after that. i thought that just completely killed his career but he did some episodes he, he after. Didn't do deadwood after that that was before yeah, it was, was right before that wasn't it It was 2002 to 6 yeah he was on there i well i don't well, i don't know how, wait i could be wrong i swear Why? that happened that was the last thing he did right before he got he yeah, he might have got busted, but that sucks. Cause he was like one of my. F- I loved seeing him in Tim Burton movies, man. He was awesome, yeah, and then yeah. it turned out he's just a fucking pedophile douchebag, and you can tell by his mustache. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, like I, I, I wikied him last night. I guess in 2010 he uh, didn't update his uh, sex offender registration, and he. I think he. I don't know if he's doing time now, but he he did a stretch. So. That sucks. Well, <laughs> Well, I mean, hopefully you got fucked in the ass. Yeah. Uh, anyway, what um, what do you got, Matt? Well, while you're looking, I'll say, uh, there was a making of. I don't know which movie it was. It might have been for Edward Scissorhands, but HBO used to do these, like, really good in-depth behind-the-scenes specials. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes they kind of played, ar- played around with it a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. they'd have some fun. Like, uh, they did, like, like, Mel Gibson had one for Lethal Weapon. He did these like video behind the scenes thing, but he did a lot of skits. But uh, there was one with Tim Burton talking about his uh, inspiration, how he came about to be the director he is, and he talks about this birthday party he had as a kid. And there was this creepy sort of John Wayne Gacy looking clown <laughs> that would show Godzilla movies. <laughs> that so sounds like, like a Tim Burton. Yeah, movie. to me, uh, at, like at birthday parties, and it just showed, and it cut to the uh, interview footage, and he says. The only thing that really taught me was that Japan was a very dangerous place to live. <laughs> <laughs> so from then on, I was like, yeah, Tim Burton kind of kicks ass. 
No, you're right. Uh, Jeffrey Jones, that happened in 2002 was when he was charged yeah. with it. So 2004, 2006 was uh, um, Deadwood. Mm. Funny enough, he was also on 2001 to 2006. To 2006. This is before he got caught. And then five, four years after, he was mm. on Invader Zim. Mm. <laughs> the children's show. <laughs> nice. Children's cartoon show. Well, I think that maybe... Well, sometimes it could be misleading on IMDb because it, it might, that might just be like 2006, 2002. Right, so that's like, the, as run a series of the run. series. That's, that's true. Yeah, so anyway... Um, Anybody have some good uh, good stuff to talk about? <laughs> he just looks like a fucking creepo, man. He does. Um, as you can tell, we're incredibly prepared yeah, for this. I was say, no, I was going to say, I guess the next thing we need to hit on is Edward Scissorhands, then. Yeah, we really do. Yeah, but talk that's, about a little bit. Again, that's, that's, like, so that's my favorite of his movies. And it's still... I actually just watched it almost completely through... Um, about a month ago, came on one of the HBO channels, and I watched it. And to this day, the ending it still like emotionally gets me. It's 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 completely a fairy tale. The whole movie is like a fairy tale, and the way it ends, and it, it's ridiculous. It reminds me of the very end of Blue Velvet. The very end, you know, when they're mm-hmm. when they're at his mother's place, yeah, and they they look out and they see that bird. On, mm-hmm. uh, on and it's and the bird uh, looks so fake. It's so <laughs> animatronic and fake, and it's like that way on for on a purpose. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of that because um, the scene at the end of Edward Scissorhands, where it snows now in that town because he's up there with the fucking ice sculptures. Yeah, it's ridiculous, but it really it because it's ridiculous, it works. Yeah, and actually, uh, when you look at it, like that whole town, the whole setup of the town with the. At the bottom of this like, suburban town, and then he's up there. It's like a snow globe. Yeah. It's really just when you look at it, it's just a, a snow globe. And I, I love that. It's a, it's a sad, it's a bittersweet ending, I, but I, I love it. It's like, it's very, it's very like, mature. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm not meaning, like, you know, by, like, content-wise, but just, I don't know, like, as far as, like, fairy tales and... Life. <laughs> it's like, if they would have made Edward Scissorhands now, it, they would have lived happily ever after, yada, 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 um... And this, it's like, it's a tragedy. It's like, they loved each other, but in reality, they couldn't. In it that would never world, work. It would never yeah. work. So, um, and as back when I thought, uh, I still I still like Johnny Depp. I just, now I just, I don't know, I kind of, I feel like it's like all Tim Burton does is like, make his face white and throw him in front of the camera. I mean, he's going to act all wacky. Yeah. Yeah, dude, distance myself from, from Depp as well, because I really like him. Distance from Dip. <laughs> what I love about uh, Edward Scissorhands is uh, the town itself, like the little suburban, and like, everything is like fucking mode. Every it's like it's seriously like their homeowners association. They're like fucking hardcore because <laughs> they, don't, like, they don't just dress like it. They have to buy the same cars. They, they have to wear the same clothes. The same clothes. It might be different different color pastels, but right. it's just like it's all... everything is uniform, and like all the the grass is cut. By the blade of grass, it's just like everything is precise. You just know, like the opening scene for uh, that TV show, Airy, Indiana. Oh, totally. Oh yeah, <laughs> that fucking show. Um, oh, I, I I started watching some episodes. It's it's I still think it, it's pretty cool. But I think that um, Edward Scissorhands, that probably to me, I would think that that's his most personal film. Like he would think. He is Edward, you know. Yeah, I could see that. And and because Edward, that that's him coming into this 
normal suburban world and everybody kind of freaking out and then kind of going thinking is really cool but turning on them at the same time at the end mm-hmm. because and, and that's still watching it again i still get so pissed off with that fucking red-headed bitch oh. who who like lies and says he tried to rape her and shit oh yeah oh my Cause, god cause he's still, like i don't want you yeah she was basically trying to rape him come on to him and he rejected her so she said that he forced him himself onto her with his mm-hmm. razor hands yeah uh, yeah, I know. It's it's one of those... It's, it's frustrating. Those type of movies, man, just make me want to fucking kill. And Anthony Michael Hall. Th- that was the movie where, like, Anthony Michael Hall went from the skinny <laughs> kid from World Science to the fucking, like... This was, like... He had, like, a transformation. He was, like, the skinny kid from, like, John Hughes. Then he did Johnny Be Good, the football movie, and he started getting a little bit of mass. And then in this movie, he's a goddamn heavy. Yeah, he is. He's big. And he's a bastard, too. He's a cocksucker, <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing, it's like a fairy tale. You think like like it's gonna be a fight, but no Edward kills his ass. Right. After he tried to shoot him with the gun. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it it gets like I was like, man, they didn't fuck around. It's like he stabs him and throws him off a cliff. <laughs> it's like shit. <laughs> yeah, it's it's hardcore. And but all these things are the things and it's still PG, I think. It's PG, yeah. I think, I think it's you're PG. Right. Yeah. So I mean, I, that, all those things are the reason that I love it so much. Mm-hmm. That that scene with her when he's first doing the ice sculpture, and uh, she's dancing around with the, the snow coming down. Nighttime. Right. That's that's what really sticks with me. Oh, and fucking everything, everything Alan Arkin does in that movie. He's he's genius. Oh yeah. <laughs> he's pretty fantastic. In that movie. <laughs> when he gives him the drink. And he's like, try this, and he gives him a straw. He sucks. He's drinking like pure whiskey or something. Mm-hmm. And he's like, so what'd you think of that? He looks up. And he goes, oh. <laughs> he's like, it's good, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just I love the Frankenstein element to it, and uh, we're gonna we'll have a in the future. I don't want to blow or load or anything, but Vincent Price is fantastic in that movie. Yeah. For, yeah. And I think that's his last movie. I believe. He died shortly after rapping, or he I might have died so. during the shoot. I want to say, because it was a small role. Mm-hmm. I mean, but um, as his creator, you know, and I just, and it's just, he's, I love this, how tragic of a character, because he went, or like originally he was just a automaton, you know, he had like, right. he was just a part of like, sort of like a, like a Rube Goldberg type machine, you know, just, it was just chopping up all these things, and then he just, what is it, like Vincent Price's character, like the doctor, the creator, has the heart like cookie and it's like says right mm. right and he's, he's he's putting it on top of the robot yeah and then it's just and that's so awesome because it's like if you made that now it's like it, you'd have so much goddamn exposition with like a miley cyrus song behind it <laughs> and it was just it's it's classic it as a great danny elfman score and but i just love like how he was gonna have hands he was just about to put the hands on him and then, and then he had a heart attack. He had a heart attack and died. And it's funny you mentioned uh, Danny Elfman because I'm just reading this thing on IMDb, you know, mm-hmm. our, our gospel. Yeah. Um, that Tim Tim Burton went to Robert Smith of the Cure to do the, the do, to do the whole music for the movie, but he turned it down because he was recording Disintegration at the time, and that's when he went to Danny Elfman. I think it's a good trade off. <laughs> I think it's a good trade off. I mean, I should, I would have been that would have been an amazing score. Right. I would have been crazy. But I don't really but know. then it's like we wouldn't have had disintegration. <laughs> yeah, though you know, um, that's that's an interesting bit of business, man. Well, it's like um, in Batman Returns, I believe, like the whole scene where um, 
And yes, apologize for jumping around, but in Batman Returns, like, there was a story I heard on the Rumor podcast uh, where they had, like, one of the Susie and the Banshees band members on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was doing something, but anyway, <laughs> he was doing something. <laughs> anyway, um, he told a story how they were going to be the band playing in, like, that sort of, that ball at Shrek puts on mm-hmm. before the penguin shows up and starts tearing ass and there's because i mean they, they at least got their song in there during that dance where it's like a kiss is even deadlier when you meet it you know yeah. but originally that was supposed to be Susie and the banshees uh there them for me yeah oh yeah i forgot i can't remember the name of the song but yeah they're originally supposed to be in there so he has a that's a, another thing i do love about tim burton he kind of has that sort of post-punk he kind of comes from that aesthetic yeah. you know with like the kind of goth like it, it you know, I feel like his movies are sort of like li- uh, visual interpretations of like Bauhaus, Susie and the Banshees, and Cure albums. Yeah, that, that that's really good. I mean, I know. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. I made it myself. <laughs> oh, they said that uh, Vincent Price, um, he passed away in 1993, but it was mm-hmm. from the same thing, and it was from emphysema. Oh, really? Uh, oh no, lung, lung cancer. But he had emphysema mm-hmm. back when they were filming. Uh, Edward Scissorhands, and yeah. that's why he was only able to do two scenes in the movie because yeah. he was really sick at the time. Yeah, it's he was awesome in there, and because it, 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 funny because you had like the suburban sort of vapid like life, you know, Alan Arkin. You know, he's a good dad and everything, but it's just like they're all just stuck in their ways and they're right. all just cookie cutter. And then you have his creator who's like reading him is like poetry and mm-hmm. you know trying to sh- show him life and like what 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 beauty really is and that's like he out of everything it's like yeah edward's grotesque but he really is the most beautiful thing in the movie aside from like winona rider it's like he's he's unique and it almost like you could say i guess and it's probably it's pretty blatant that like you know being unique is a very difficult thing to be when you're around everybody who's you know not like you i like you so it's like being the lone uh muslim in like a Christian school or uh, like the school ties being the, <laughs> only, being, <laughs> being the only Jewish kid <gasps> cowards no sorry I uh I kind of like that movie yeah I got a soft spot for for school ties I have a soft spot for um fucking what's his name Brandon Fraser. yeah thank you <laughs> I have such a soft spot for this guy who I can't remember his fucking name <laughs> Sleepy Hollow? Okay, so... Alright. I fucking love Sleepy Hollow. So is that that your favorite Tim Burton movie? You know, I mean, I get you... I I understand where you're coming from, Edward Scissorhands. I think, think like, Edward Scissorhands and Ed Wood are his best movies. Like, like, you know, pound for pound, best movies. I feel like like, a piece of ass... Shit. I was going to say piece of ass. Because (laughs) I've never seen Ed Wood. Holy shit. That movie fucking rocked. That was, like, my favorite uh, Burton movie until... Sleepy Hollow, because I just loved Edward. Because it just it it hit that wacky fucking fifties sixties sort of mindset that he had. You know, mm-hmm. it's just and I don't know how how close to life it is for Edward, but it doesn't but matter. It's it doesn't like, matter. Yeah. It's, Bill Murray is fucking awesome in that movie. <laughs> He's this very homosexual gentleman, <laughs> and uh, there's a, a funny. We'll get back to Sleepy Hollow in a second, but there's a great scene where. They Edward finds a financier, but I believe he's like a tech. I think he's from Texas or something. But 
he wants to baptize everyone because he's like a hardcore Christian. Uh-huh. And so you have Bill Murray, who's like the most effeminate gay dude. And they, and they have him in, like they're baptizing him in a river. And they're like, you accept Christ as your personal savior? He goes, sure. <laughs> <laughs> More or less, Sleepy Hollow is Tim Burton's tribute to Mario Bava in Italian gothic movies. Hammer films. Hammer films. And it's like, it's like, the way it's shot, I mean, it has like the like the subject matter is very hammer, mm-hmm. especially what like the the color, the palette when it, the blood shows up. It's that very bright, the, and vibrant. Christina red. Ricci being all busting. Oh and, yeah, yeah. So there's some there's some hammer in there, but a lot of the stuff that like, um, just how everything's kind of framed, and they do a lot of low tech shit in it too, like, because um, it's shot mostly on set, mm-hmm. and so they have like the kind of like people walking around with like branches and stuff. So it's very inspired by like. Uh, like uh, Black Sunday, uh, the Mario Bob is like vampire movie, uh, but yeah, what's so awesome about this movie? Kind of, it veered away from the Nightmare Before Christmas look and stuff, and where like the pinstripes and kind of like pseudo goth, and it kind of rip. It went back to OG goth, you know. Yeah, oh yeah, gothic in the truest sense of the <laughs> yes. truest sense in the word, and um, and it, it was like if nowadays it's sort of like it. It, you see it everywhere, the whole sort of, like, uh, the new twist on something. Like, you know, you have, like, this new Sleepy Hollow TV show, which is okay. It's, it's all right. But everyone, like, every historical character or, like, a character from, like, like the, like the, like, Hansel and Gretel. But, like, now we're Hansel and Gretel dildo slayers or something like that. <laughs> Everything sort of got has, like, a, like, Abraham Lincoln vampire killer. Like, we're in Sleepy Hollow that kind of, like, it reimagined... Ichabod Crane as, like, a police constable, which is really cool, because originally he's a teacher. Mm-hmm. So, at the time, it was kind of, like, I don't know, ahead of it, it was ahead of his time, with Andrew Kevin Walker, no who did intended. Seven. Yeah, no pun intended. Uh, he did a script. It was a solid script, but it had... He did a fucking, script. He did a script. <laughs> he did a script, and it was a solid script. Um, but it has, like, an amazing cast. You know, Depp's really good. He's, like, this sort of awkward police constable. Uh, Christina Ricci has... Fabulous tits. <laughs> and then pretty much everybody else in the movie is like his stable of actors. Exactly. You know, you have like uh, the the town elders. It's like, you know, Jeffrey Jones. Um, I don't think Michael Gambon. He was like the main guy. Right, like, right. He was, but he was Christina Ricci's dad. He right? was Christina Ricci's dad. Uh, Michael Goff, who was uh, Alfred in the Batman movies. And also is like a Hammer alumni. Uh-huh. You know. Uh, and... Christopher Walken. Ian, Christopher, yeah, Christopher Walken as the the Hessian mercenary who eventually became the Headless Horseman, and the actual Headless Horseman, played by Ray Park, who was Darth Maul in Star Wars. Right. And Ian McDiarmid. And Ian McDiarmid, yeah. And Toad. Oh, yeah, Ian McDiarmid was that. Yeah, there was like, there's your Star Wars connection. I forgot he was in, he was like the the town buccaneer. No, <laughs> the guy who played the Emperor in the Star Wars films. Yeah, he, was, uh, he's he, in was, it. he had a smaller part in that, but he was in it. He got his head cut off. I'm yeah, you got sure. the hell kill out of them, but yeah. that was very atmospheric, and I love like there was the whole concept of like the blade cauterizing the wound when he cuts it off. And Casper Van Dien, Don't yeah, yeah, Casper Van Dien, he gets the shit killed yeah, out. Yeah, he, of him. he gets like, chopped into three pieces. He gets like cut in half. Yeah, he's fighting the the horseman uh, on like that bridge uh-huh. that you always see like in in the old cartoon where like you know if you cross this bridge, you know he can't cross running water. Uh, this particular thing, and then. At the end, like, he just throws the pumpkin, the jack-o'-lantern, and fucking cracks Ichabod Crane. They kind of make a play of that old cartoon right. in there. Or just the old story. Well, I don't but, think he 
that wasn't when he got hit by that. It was when they were ma- they yeah. were making fun of him and they were chasing yeah they were making him. fun of him and like Casper Van Dien just like ha ha I'll show you. <laughs> he he makes a, he plays a good douchebag in any time period. But what what was cool about even that scene that was the culmination of this whole sequence where he had come to kill this family mm-hmm. and it was pretty brutal. I mean you don't see it happen. Yeah. But um he he goes to kill this family right. Yeah. And there's this little boy. And he and the mother when uh, the father breaks in and is fighting the headless horseman mm-hmm. and you can tell he's gonna the mother goes in the other room and she hides the kid underneath the floorboards yeah and, and he's like uh, literally underneath the house yeah and so the the headless horseman comes in and he sees the mother and he chops her head off and the the head rolls across and the, the kid sees the head rolling and yeah. it stops right on top of him and her eyes are staring right <laughs> at him he's like so oh, fucking shit. brutal and then um. You're like, oh, well, that was pretty terrible. He picks up her head, puts it in his bag, and he's walking out when he just stops. I don't think the kid even made a sound. He just stops and he sensed him. Mm-hmm. And he came back and he busts his hand in there, pulled the kid out, kicking and screaming, and then yeah. it cuts to the, to him walking out of the house and stuffing another head into the bag. You're like, <laughs> yeah. holy shit. Which in the commentary, Tim Burton makes it, he says, I wanted to do that on purpose because there was, I, it always pissed me off as a kid that kids got away with it. Right, like not all the time, but it's they just never like, They never kid. got killed, and so it's like he's like, "Fuck that! I'm gonna kill a kid in this movie." <laughs> and I was like, "That's crazy." But the, what's cool about like the expanded story of Sleepy Hollow? There's like this this conspiracy, you know, and there's like everyone has something to hide, like their own like little dark secret, and witchcraft is in it, and mm-hmm. and Christopher Walken with filed down sharp teeth is just <laughs> creepy anyway. Yeah. But, no, it's a hell of a movie, and uh, has good action, and uh, the color palette's great, because it's, like, a, a very muted. It's almost black and white. I mean, it's color, but it's, like, the color's really when taken out of it. When it does pop, it's blood. It's blood. It's blood, and it's, and I love the sort of, it has, like, a steampunk element to it, and it's only really for Ichabod Crane's sort of, like, all of um, his, all his gadgets and shit. and shit. Like, these, like, <laughs> these, like, scientifically uh, advanced apparatuses that, Look like they, they're doing it the hard way. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's just it's kind of like in the movie. There's all these itself. levers and gauges and things for just pulling a trigger and a little knife move. Yeah, a little knife move and stuff. And he's like, these are uh, scientific techniques. You know, he thinks he's like fucking like uh, Sherlock Holmes or something. But uh, it reminded me of like that sort of doing tech the hard way is like in the Terry Gilliam's Brazil, like. They have these really small TVs, but they put this huge magnifier in front of it. It's like, why didn't you just build a big fucking TV? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, um, but yeah, like Johnny Depp's really good. Uh, uh, what I love about it is because it has Christopher Lee in it, one of my favorite genre mm-hmm. actors of all time, and he hadn't really done much. I mean, he was doing things, but like you hadn't seen him in like a Hollywood movie in a fucking long time. Right, and right. He, just, he has a small role. He's just like a, a judge in that. And he, yeah. he, he's the one that puts Ichabod Crane on his little. Uh, adventure but i have a funny story that goes with sleepy hollow i'm sure you've heard this a million oh, times yeah. i don't know if you've heard this uh-uh. uh our buddy mark did you ever meet mark he's a really tall redhead kind of looks like conan o'brien anyway with, with balding he's balding now <laughs> yeah <I'm saying> not. <laughs> sorry, sorry mark anyway we were young and uh what they come out in oh, uh, 2000 or 01 i can't remember but it was like early you know we're still young lads and then we went down the norman uh, the the spotlight theater down there, and we're walking, and uh, we're just like, uh, we're gonna go see Dogma because um, 
I had already seen Sleepy Hollow. So it's like, we're going to go see Dogma, and we're walking in, and these girls just say, like, hey, you guys going to see Sleepy this Hollow? This is the parking lot, right? And we're in the parking lot thing. And we're like, no, nah, we're going to go see Dogma. And we just kept on walking. And Like, not as in, like, they were making fun of you, but they were checking to see, hey, like, yeah, it was kind like of, Yeah, it was kind of like they were just kind of being flirty. And we're just like, no, nah, we're going to go see that. And then we kept on walking. We buy our tickets. We go to the concession, get our stuff, and we're like, I think those girls wanted to go see Sleepy Hollow with us. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with this, man? We're just like, no, nah, we're going to go see a movie. <laughs> fuck you. And I was like, it's almost like, it's like, it's, like, it's, no, ridiculous. Like, it's ridiculous. Like, they're like, hey, you want to come and sex us? No, we're going to have sex with each other. Yeah, no, it's like, no, nah, we're going to go see this Kevin Smith movie that I'm not going to give a shit about in like 10 years. <laughs> but, um,. I, you know, I, I'm, I was ne- I'm, I was never good at that kind of thing. <laughs> anyway, probably, yeah, it is kind of funny. Story. It is a funny little story. I, I just... Rem- I, know we're, I know we're running short on time here, but I think the last thing that we should really get into is more, some of his more recent output. Like, because I do think it has been kind of lackluster. It has been very lackluster. I think Big Fish was the last real good movie. Uh, what was the last movie of his that you... I kind of like got off on the Tim Burton bus for a while, man. It just it felt like he just well Sweeney Todd. I actually like Sweeney Todd because I felt like that was more uh, along the lines of Sleepy Hollow. I kind of felt like it it felt more in that vein. Yeah, and it was after Sleepy Hollow he did Planet of the Apes, and everything kind of went downhill yeah. from there. Yeah, yeah, Planet of the Apes. I didn't really Apes. care for Alice in Wonderland either. I didn't like Alice in Wonderland. I mean, it, it I haven't seen the whole thing. I've was, seen parts of it. It, it just. I don't know. It was kind of. I felt like it was another attempt at trying to get merchandise sold at Hot Topic. It really. I did not like how that Mad Hatter looked. I thought right. it was a shit design because essentially what you did was just put fucking pancake makeup on him and a wig on Johnny Depp, and that was it. You could give him contacts and stuff. It's like it. And it, it made no it prosthetics at all. Like yeah, wacky. And it's, I don't know, I kind of felt like it would have been better if you hadn't made the movie at all. No, <laughs> no, no. Well, but because it was, it was literally a sequel to Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, it? it's kind of a misleading. It's a sequel. Mm-hmm. And then Charlie and the Chocolate Factory didn't much care for. I wasn't Again, a big I saw fan. parts of it. I never saw the whole thing. But one thing I did like, I didn't love, but there's some things I really like about it, is that newer Dark Shadows. I actually kind of dig it. I think it loses its way at the end, but all the way up to that point, I kind of, I kind of really dig it. I, I think I'm with you. Did you have, did you seen that yet? Mm-hmm. I think I'm with you because uh, I hadn't. I need to actually see it from the beginning, but I do like the production design on it. And let's be honest here: when people were kind of kicking up a fuss, I didn't like the trailer either. Uh-huh. I thought it looked too goofy. But it's not that way as much. It's not that way. I mean, it's essentially Dark Shadows is a it's a super it's a gothic soap opera. Mm-hmm. So it's it's hokey. It's kind of out there, but it's very atmospheric. Okay, especially when Barnabas Collins' character shows up. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it, it is still hokey in its in its way. So I could see how people get pissed because it looked like they took like they kind of did the Brady Bunch movie treatment to it. Right. Like they're making they were, it was a it was a parody of itself. It was a parody of itself, and I kind of felt like. It, I think uh, uh, like having that sort of camp in it would have worked, but I almost sort of felt like uh, there's another movie of his that I felt like it if it was more along the lines of it would have worked totally because I almost feel like there's a lot of pandering. They're like it's set in the seventies. 
I, I can't. I, it's just I know it's it's at the tip of my tongue, and Mars I just attacks? maybe I, I have a soft spot for Mars Attacks, but I mean I kind of felt like you know he, he he the thing is throughout his whole filmography he has that sort of like that black comedy aspect to his right his repertoire so to speak so it I kind of felt like he had the tone but I just felt like it was taking the piss out of the, the concept of, of the source material too much and I think it's mostly I don't think it's necessarily Tim Burton to an extent I think what's on the screen stylistically is there I just think that that Seth Graham guy the, the, he's the guy who wrote the book Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter uh-huh. I just I, I don't like his his ideas I kind of feel like he's He's too much like wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Look at what we're doing, and I kind of feel like that's where the movie kind of gets lost tonally because I feel like it's, sometimes it's dead serious and sometimes it's too goofy, you know. And I kind of and I, I'm, but I'm with you though. I think like it's you do need to watch it from the beginning though. I do, it starts I mean, off pretty. Se- I mean, it it takes its time, yeah, and it it really establishes the time frame and the and the period mm-hmm. and and the characters really well. Yeah. I thought maybe it kind of like some of the stuff I've seen I will give it a shot but like I felt like you know like when they throw the party and Alice Cooper's there I almost yeah. feel like I almost feel like they're making like <laughs> hey it's the 70s wink. I, it, it is like that but to me that whole thing with Alice Cooper showing up is worth it because he hypnotizes this little kid who goes now go watch the Cooper woman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's I kind of feel like uh where Barnabas Collins in the show, he he was a fish out of water, but he was able to at least kind of fake it. In this, it's like he's a complete asshole. <laughs> More no, or he's less. not. He's not, not. But it's just he's like, still a good guy. Yeah, well, to an extent. <laughs> he kills people because he is a vampire. He is a vampire. So, but um, he hates it. Yeah. Did anyone? Else, did you think that that girl who played Victoria Winters kind of looked like Lisa Marie a little bit? <sighs> I'll say one thing. He used to put Lisa Marie, his old girlfriend, into all of his movies, and she is like Sherry Mood Zombie. Well, she's easy to look at, but can't act her. Married? Were they not married? They're. I think they were married. Okay. Uh, I think you're right, but it's like, hey, she's pretty to look at, but really can't act for shit. (laughs) But he kind of traded up. He married Helena Bonham Carter, who's actually a good actress. She's a good actress. Yeah. Lisa Marie might be a very nice person. I'm sure she's a very nice woman, and she might be very articulate and everything. But well, she was good in. Ed Wood is Vampira. She played Vampira, and she was like, she was a total asshole. <laughs> she was just like, ah, fine, I'll do your fucking movie. Gives a shit. <laughs> well, he doesn't really say that, but um, no, but I mean, Dark Shadow. I mean, I think it's it's a step up from. It's definitely a step up from Alice in Wonderland. I definitely think it's oh, yeah. more in his wheelhouse. I, I guess I would I, I would have wouldn't have mind the playful black comedy aspects of it, but I almost felt like it went too far in some. In some and, ways, it did. And, and I think it's kind of the ending that kind of ruins it a little bit for me. Just I think it gets too too wacky. It, uh, it gets fucking crazy. It almost gets like Death Becomes Her crazy. Yeah. And not in a good way. <laughs> but I fucking love Death Becomes Her. I kind of do too, but it's just like... It gets kind of... It, it goes really nuts though. So, and and it's just kind of... Yeah, I feel like it... It had, it had its moments that I just think maybe another script polish or something right. would have helped. But uh, thanks for listening to this uh, shit show of an episode. No, no I, we're just hanging out, just talking about some Tim Burton. Yeah, we weren't very well prepared, but fuck it. Yeah, so we're going to wrap it up now because this horse is being beaten way too long. Uh, <laughs> so thanks for listening. Uh, Matt Fromell. Eric King. Rodney McKinley. <laughs>